Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I was thinking of a quote today by Rumi. He's a 13th century Persian poet, and he said, Yesterday I was clever, so I was going to change the world, but today I am wise, and I'm going to change myself. And this describes my current guest that's going to be on today. His name's Koss Marte. Koss, thank you for joining us. No, I appreciate you having me, Todd. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you bet, man. You guys are in for a treat today. If you think you can't change your circumstances or better your life, think again. Cost is a perfect example that you can do anything, no matter what you've been through and no matter how hard your life's been. Um, I'd like to get a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, Drew Peterson, iHeal Institute, and Living uh, Recovery Interventions. You guys are fantastic. Thank you for supporting me and, and supporting this great cause. And then thanks again to all of you for tuning in week after week. Um, we're, we're trending and we're ranked in the top 100 now in mental health because of you guys. So thank you so much. And I love you. A um, little background on Koss. Uh, he was sent to jail as a ringleader of a multi-million dollar drug operation. And uh, he was also grossly overweight and was warned by his physician that his current lifestyle, if left unchecked, would likely kill him. Faced with that prognosis, Koss got into shape with the tools that he had, which was a prison cell and his body weight. <laughs> um, within six months, he lost over 70 pounds. And we're going to talk a lot about this. And he also helped other, other inmates, 20 others specifically, to also lose a weight. I think you combined weight loss was over 1,000 pounds. And, yep. uh, and then he launched a company called Conbody. He is the CEO and founder and creator of this. It's a prison style boot camp that has gained over 70,000 clients. And he's hired over 50 formerly incarcerated individuals. And you have 0% recidivism, which is amazing. Uh, which mm -hmm. means, if you don't know what that word means, because um, I wasn't quite sure what it meant either, <laughs> it just means they don't go back to their former behavior, the cr criminal behavior. Um, Koss has been on the Ellen DeGeneres show, he's a three time TEDx. TED Talk speaker. He's been on NBC, CNN, the New York Times, Men's Health, and uh, just doing all these amazing things. And I'm just so honored to have him on today. So, Koss, thank you again for being on our show. No, I appreciate the opportunity here. Thank you. Yeah. So, why don't you tell us tell us where you grew up? Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Yes, yeah, so I uh, I grew up in the Lower East Side of New York City. It was a very heavily uh, infested drug neighborhood. Uh, my mom immigrated from the Dominican Republic when she was pregnant with me, and we ended up in this uh, this neighborhood in the '80s. And it was just a, a there were heroin lines, like heroin was like, and crack was just a huge epidemic over here. Uh, I remember going to school and just seeing people lining up to buy drugs coming out of my building. Right. Um, you know, they, I'm, I'm talking about lines of like 50 to 100 people. Wow. You know, wrapped around the block. Um, you know, every 10 steps you took, there was a heroin needle there. Um, you know, there, it was yeah. just, you know, I, I, growing up, I, one of my good friends who we used to rollerblade around the neighborhood, like he fell on the heroin needle and got, and got stuck and got hepatitis off of it, you know? So oh, it was, really? 
it was that 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 drug infested just a picture of that but um, as a kid i was i was very ambitious i wanted money i thought money was everything for me um i grew up you know basically sleeping on the couch with my mom um and it was uh, about seven of us in my apartment oh, wow. uh, at all times in a tenement apartment so it was just a small living quarters and in a 500 square foot space um and so we we were basically on top of each other and my mom you know was was hustling you know not not hustling drugs but she was like just hustling the right way trying to you know do the right thing working you know sometimes two or three jobs um uh, but that that gave me opportunity to just be in the streets you know yeah uh, with with, uh, uh having no real child care um, my childcare was the streets, um, uh, and, and the people that were on the corner dealing drugs, those were, some of them were my older cousins and who I, you know, followed or idled at the time. And, and I followed in their footsteps, you know, at 11, I started smoking weed and at 13, I started dealing. Um, and there's where everything went down into a spiral. Um, yeah. I, I was, uh, incarcerated six times. Uh, nine times total, but uh, six right. times as an adult. Um, and, you know, I, I, as a kid, people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would tell them I wanted to be rich. And, and I felt like the world of drugs was the first and the only opportunity to make that happen. Um, yeah. So I stepped into that world. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, if that's what you grew up in, that's what you saw. And I can imagine... You know, I, you know, as you said, you, there's, you know, all of you crammed in that little apartment. Um, I can imagine how tough, I mean, you probably didn't know any different, but I mean, I would imagine that was a very difficult time. Were you, were you sad about your situations? Do you remember as a kid, were you like depressed about it or how did you look at I was, that? I was not depressed. I was frustrated about it. Mm. Um, okay. I would, I would uh, ask my mom, you know, if she could buy me things when I was a kid, I was the only kid in the neighborhood that didn't have the video game. And, uh, you know, my mom was going to the Salvation Army buying all my clothes or I'm getting hand-me-downs. Um, you know, we, we used to line up on the weekends uh, at the church to, to get pantry from food and bread, um, you know, and just growing up like that and seeing, you know, and, and people would make, uh, other kids in school would make fun of me. You know, because I had a I had a hole in my shirt. You know, I, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I look poor, and I wanted more. Yeah. Uh, and it would frustrate me when I would ask my mom. So I would I would do all types of different hustles. You know, I would. I remember being five years old and just walking from door to door, collecting all the bottles and cans, and just changing them for nickels in a bodega. Uh, you know. Uh, opening up the fire hydrant in the middle of the summer and just washing cars, you know, um, doing all types of stuff just to get money or going into people's couches and collecting <laughs> all the coins. And, yeah. uh, so, but that was, that was my mindset. But, uh, you know, the, the, the drugs was something that I learned right away. Um, it made sense mathematically and I made a lot of money and 19, I was making over $2 million a year. Say that again. How much were you making at 19? I was making over $2 million a year. I was $2 yeah, million. I was, wow. Yeah, I was generating $5 million in revenue, um, $2 million in profit. Uh, it was a very lucrative operation. 
Were you, yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine that how much money of that was coming in and you're probably seeing this going, Oh my goodness, this is what your dream was to be rich because of your circumstances growing up. Were you ever worried? Like, was there a part of you going, man, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, the money's great, but, or did you like not even worry about that kind of thing? Like you'd get caught or busted or go to jail. Did you not worry about those things? Yeah. I thought, yeah, you're always worried about being getting caught and going to jail. Um, yeah. But, uh, as a youth and having, I feel like I didn't fully grow. Uh, my brain was not grown. I was more risk adverse. I'm just taking all types of risks, you know, just yeah. to go wild and crazy. And that's the, that's the lifestyle. That I, yeah. Yeah. So did your mom know that you were doing this? Did she have an idea that you were selling drugs? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got arrested at 13 years old um, okay. uh, for selling weed. And, you know, she got the call from the cops, you know, because I was a juvenile. Um, and so that that was when she first found out. Um, and then it just started escalating from there. Uh, you know, nobody could stop me. You know, my yeah. number one excuse and, and uh, excuse to her was like, are you going to give me money? You know, like, no. So I'm going to do it how I get it. So that was my, my mindset. Mindset, yeah. Well, so at 19, was that when you got arrested and caught up uh, where you had to go to prison for seven years? Uh, 23 years old. Oh, you were 23 when that happened. Yes. Okay, so at 23, everything kind of caught up to you finally, right? Um, all the, mm -hmm. I'm sure you were being watched for a while and, and, <laughs> you know, track down because obviously when you're making that much money, you're obviously dealing with some high players, high level people. Um, mm -hmm. so you, so you get arrested, um, you get convicted, um, and you get sentenced to seven years. How did that feel when you heard seven years? I was, I was happy. Really? Uh, I was, I was happy. Uh, I was facing 15 on life. Uh, it was, it was my third felony. Okay. Um, and so for me, it was like, well, I got another shot at life. Um, mm. I, I got, I got arrested at the, uh, I don't know, God made it happen that I got arrested at the right time. Mm. Uh, cause that same year I was going back and forth to court, the laws, uh, Rockefeller laws, which were mandatory drug laws back then, um, were, were changed, uh, due to governor Spitzer cheating on his wife with a prostitute. He got caught up. Yeah. And, and the lieutenant governor, Governor Patterson at the time, stepped in. And that was the first thing he put into play. And so this was 2009 when I'm going back and forth to court. Okay. And I got this opportunity. And I'm like, when they told me seven years, I, 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 I smiled. I was like, guilty. <laughs> um, wow. I, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and my lawyer was like, you know, the best deal I could get was 12 years. And so they basically gave me seven years with five pro. Okay. Wow. So, so you go to, you go to prison and you know, this is, this is where the story gets pretty amazing, you know, and again, we, I know we're just barely touching on what you went through, but I also, I really want to get into, I think you, you got put into the health unit. If that's, if I understand correctly in prison where they, you know, were, that's where you heard the news that you could probably die within the next five years tell our listeners what happened there. Yeah. So when you, when you go to prison, you know, they, they take blood exams, they, you know, they give you a whole physical, 
Um, mm. So when I went into prison, that's when I, I didn't see a doctor for so long. I, my lifestyle, I was smoking two packs of cigarettes. I was smoking like 50 cigar uh, of marijuana every day. I'm just like smoking nonstop and drinking. Um, so I was super unhealthy. Um, I was, and you weighed what, 230 pounds? 231 pounds when I went in. Yeah. Uh, and, and doctors in there were like, yeah, your cholesterol levels are through the roof, you know? And that's what, and I was like, what? You know, I was only 24 when they told me that. And, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, and there was like, if you continue living the lifestyle that you're living, you could probably die of a heart attack within five years. Wow. And I was at like, 23. At 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was shocked. I didn't believe it at first, but when I went back to my cell and I started contemplating and I'm like, cause they gave the same diagnosis to a, a old man. He was like 75 years old. Uh, uh, and they brought me and him down to the medical unit and they brought us to the room one at a time walking back to our cell block. Uh-huh. Um, he told me, Hey, they, they, they tell you had high cholesterol. And I was like, yeah. And, they were, and he got the same diagnosis. So, being 24 years old at that time when they told me that um, and being compared to a 75 year old, I was like, Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> excuse my language. I got to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. You're in trouble. Well, is, so here you are, you're, you're facing seven years. You, you hear this diagnosis that you could die, you know, in the next five years, if you don't change your lifestyle, is this when you started realizing costs that you needed to change your life, like not, not only get healthier, but did you start having these thoughts of, I need to change my life. I got to quit dealing drugs. I got to do something different. When did, when did all that started to change in prison? It was, it was, it was not towards the end of my incarceration. Um, when I was, uh, uh, when I went inside, um, I basically had the same mindset as like, all right, I'm, I'm in prison. I'm, you know, I, I got caught because I sold drugs the wrong way, you know? So there's, there's something I have to fix, uh, oh, you know, wow. and, and go back. And I was still operating while I was incarcerated. I was still dealing drugs. I started sneaking in drugs. Uh, oh, the, 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 the hustle didn't stop. And okay. the, the mindset didn't stop until uh, the end of my incarceration. Um, I was, uh, I was about to be released in two months. Um, I had, uh, this officer call me down and he said, can you go out to the medical unit? Uh, and I was like, all right, you know, going out to the medical unit. I'm thinking at that time I'm on the waiting list. I think I was waiting like two years to see a dentist. So I'm like, finally, they call me down because you, know, you have 2,000 inmates. You know, the dentist only comes like once a week. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get my teeth cleaned before I go home. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, well, I get called down. I brush my teeth. I run over. And this officer says, hey, this is not, uh, uh, you're not here for a dentist appointment here. You're, that, you're here for a drug exam. Like, uh, you know, you, they do random drug testing. Oh man. Um, so I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, I don't, I'm not using anything. Um, I was clean at that time. And so I get on the wall. He starts searching me. He starts searching me extremely aggressively mm-hmm. where he went in between my legs and, uh, just grabbed me up and I twitched my body 
And as soon as I twitched my body, he yeah. punched me behind my head. Oh, and he said, today's not my day. Don't fuck with me. He knocked me out. Um, I got back up, turned around on the officer to avoid another hit. And he pulled the alarm. And once that, that basically they have this uh, button and on their walkie-talkies, and it's called a pin. And as soon as they press the pin, um, the whole alarm for the whole prison goes off. Every inmate has to hit the ground, face the ground. Oh. Um, and so I told him, I was like, why did he do that? I'm not doing it. He's like, get down, get down. So he strikes me again, knocks me out. About a half a dozen officers come to the scene. They beat the crap out of me. They throw me into solitary confinement. And now I'm devastated. Um, devastated because I had only two months left. And now this officer is saying that I had uh, attempted to assault him. I'm facing three more years in prison. I'm stressed out of my mind. I'm in 24-hour lockdown. I'm pacing back and forth. And uh, wow. I remember being in that cell for a couple of hours there. Uh, officer comes to my, my door and opens up my food slot and passes me a paper pen and an envelope. So you're allowed to write letters. So I, I grabbed that. I'm like, I, I need to write a letter to my family, letting them know I'm in trouble. I'm, yeah. I need to get out of the situation. And uh, I closed that letter and then I realized I had a stamp to send out this letter with. Oh. You're not allowed to receive or send any stamped letter out until 30 days in solitary confinement. And so I'm devastated because I'm like, all right, I got two months left. Like this is gonna be a crazy process. I need, I need, I need to get out of the situation because I'm supposed to be released soon. Yeah. And um, and I remember sitting in my 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 bed and just banging my head on the wall and um, just stressed out of my mind, feeling hopeless. Um, I I then get received a letter from my sister a couple a couple days afterwards. And, and uh, my sister's like super religious. Like I call her mother Teresa's child. She, she, uh, <laughs> she writes. Yeah. She's, she like reads the Bible every day. And that's just awesome. some, you know, somebody that's very devoted and, right. and great. Yeah. Uh, but she, she writes me this letter and tells me like, Hey, uh, uh, I want you to, I, we, we found out where you're at. Um, I called the prison uh, you know, everything's going to be all right. All I want you to do is read Psalm 91 from the Bible. And I was like, Psalm 91? I don't, I don't need no Psalm 91. I need a lawyer. Like, I need, right. I don't need, I don't need God. Who the hell needs God? I need, God is not helping. So I, uh, I'm sitting there. I throw the letter in the corner of my cell. A um, couple of days went by. I was bored out of my mind. I decided to pick up the Bible because that's the only thing that you can have in prison is your religious items, whether it's your Quran or uh, Torah. Um, that's the only thing that they can't take away. So it followed me into my solitary confinement unit. And I decided to pick up Psalm, uh, pick up the Bible and read Psalm 91 out of boredom. And right. I read it and it states, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he is my shelter and my fortress, my God in who I trust. And as soon as I read those words, a stab fell out of my Bible. This 
there was a stamp between the some pages. No way. And, and, and I needed that stamp to send out this letter to my family, letting them know the whole situation. Oh my. There was so I, I had so much chills, goosebumps ran down my body. I felt like there was something crazy happening. And yeah. uh, and I got to send out the letter. Uh, I eventually ended up doing an extra year in prison. But while I was in solitary confinement, I got the chance to read the whole Bible from front to back. And I started realizing what I was doing was wrong. I was not only affecting my family, I was not only affecting the people I sold drugs to, I was affecting their families. And I was creating this whole web of destruction. And I said, how can I get back to society in a more positive way? And I just started reflecting on ideas and like yeah. the first idea that popped up was like uh, i'm already helping the inmates in the yard get fit work out we're building this camaraderie i yeah. want to build this as a business and you know train people to get fit and so i started writing on my business plan in solitary confinement um i ended up doing an extra year in prison behind that situation what and, a year in solitary uh no i did a total of eight months eight months and, okay and, yeah and then uh and then I was released a year later. Okay. Uh, um, and, and I basically did what I wrote there. You know, I did what I wrote in that business plan. And what I, while I was sitting, uh, when I came home, I, I basically started everything in the park. I uh, went back to the same neighborhood, went back to my family, you know, and, and uh, just bootstrapped the, the whole business and uh, made it happen. You cut out there a little bit. You hear me now? Yeah, I can now. Yeah. So you bootstrapped the whole, uh, as you got out, you had this business plan of, of mm -hmm. you know, helping people, uh, you know, get in shape and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And, and our mission today is to hire people coming out of the prison system to give them a second chance and, and be trainers and work at our facility. Um, Wow. If you, and, if you hear the background, that's the trainers. They're, they're about to start a class. <laughs> yeah. I want our listeners to know right now, Koss is on the close to the roof of this uh, former Jewish synagogue in New yeah. York City. So, <laughs> yeah, turn, turn con body. <laughs> turn con body. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Um, you know, you mentioned you, you hire these people who have been through prison, been through the system. There's a, there's a certain man. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Is it Sultan uh, Malik. Malik? Yeah. And he was in prison for 14 years, seven of that in solitary confinement. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. So, so tell us Sultan, a little bit about him. Yeah. Sultan, uh, uh, Sultan was our first um, employee. Sorry, you hear me there? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm, I'm receiving, I, I got to jump on another call soon. Uh, but like, briefly about Sultan, he, he did 14 years in prison, seven years in solitary confinement. He was my first employee, um, you know, somebody that came home and, and uh, was desperate to get a second chance. I met him, at, you know, while he was on welfare and, and receiving public assistance. And uh, he was asking assistance to write a resume up. Um, I was volunteering at the Goodwill at the time, uh, doing an internship, uh, helping people write resumes. And 
So he sits at my desk and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm training people in the park. I just came home. I did 14 years. Uh, and I was like, I'm back in my mind. I was like, you have to come check out what I'm doing. And, uh, and I gave him my card. And that same night he came and uh, he was like, wow, you know, I want to be a part of this. So he became my first employee. Uh, oh, really? And, okay. And, and now um, we've trained over 50 people coming out of the prison system to be our trainers. Uh, and again, you, know, you, you mentioned this in the beginning, we have a zero recidivism. Which is amazing. Um, so you mentioned too, I think in one of your talks where 70%, 76% of inmates return back to prison. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you can hear me here. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, give me one second. Sure. You're, you're good. Yeah. So in, uh, the, the national recidivism rate is 76%. That means wow. uh, three out of four people that are coming out of the prison system will return back. Uh, you know, and, and so I think the, the proudest that, that, that we have at Combody is that we have that at zero. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like our secret sauce is that uh, we build a, a family. We build a full transparency of, you know, you're in trouble. Um, you have a you have someone to call like, you know, let's, you know, let let let's talk about it you know if, you're, if you have some type of issue uh, we build a parole a relationship with parole offices yeah. uh, you know and so like it's been an open conversation it's not it's not your normal business and right and there's just so much uh so so much variables that you have to deal with when you're coming out of the prison system that people don't really understand you know yeah. like coming out to a whole new world of technology. Like I went in with a flip phone and came out with a touchscreen. I had no idea what Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter was, you know, and, yeah. the, and the people that are, some of the people that I've hired have done over 20 years in prison. You yeah. know, they, they, they went in with a beeper as teenagers, yeah. you know, and, and came out with this whole, came out to the Jetsons, you know? Yeah. Um, that's amazing. You know, you've, you've done a few Ted talks now, which is really impressive. I've watched all of them. You're an amazing speaker because you come from the heart. You're genuine. I think that's why everyone loves you. You know, you, 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 you said something in there. You said, imagine if you were judged by the best things that you did versus the worst things. Right. Yep. So how do you feel? Are people now looking at you and, and seeing you for the good things you're doing versus what you did in the past? Yeah, I, I think the majority of people do. Um, but there are people that glorify, you know, my, my business that I had in the back, yeah. uh, in the, in the beginning. Um, I, I tell them my first business got acquired by the, you know, <laughs> by the feds and you don't want that to happen. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, do, you know, you try to try to look at me, you know, for what I'm doing right now. And, and most people, you know, I get saluted for all the work that I've done now and, and the people that we've, you know, been helping elevate in the last couple of years. Yeah. How have you noticed, um, like not only are you in better shape now, obviously, and you're doing all these mm -hmm. good things. 
how has it helped with your mental and your emotional uh, health? So mentally, I mean, it's, it's, it's so uh, working out for me is meditation. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there, you know, there's different forms of meditation, but uh, when I do a class at Combody, I'm working out by myself. Like it's, it's just a time where I don't, I'm not on my phone. Um, I'm just paying attention to my body. Um, I'm focusing on, you know, breathing and, and pushing my body to another level where I want to take it. Um, and, and every day that I work out, there's some days I take days off, but um, I, I feel like I feel relieved and I feel yeah. like I could breathe. I feel freedom. I feel, you know, I feel happy um, and, and accomplished. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, you know, I'm, again, I'm so impressed with what you're doing and your desire to make, uh, to do good things versus what you were doing before. And, um, you can just tell that you're so happy, uh, the way you carry you. yourself, you got a glow about you. If there's, if there's someone listening to you right now, cause who's struggling, maybe they're caught up in the drug world or they're, they're just having, you know, they're in a dark place. What, what advice could you give that one person right now? What would you tell them? I would tell them everything, everything is temporary. Everything is temporary, whatever mm -hmm. dark space, whatever negative state you're in, just know that this shall pass, you know, uh, breathe in, breathe out. Um, it's gonna, it's not going to last forever. Um, yeah. everything is temporary. Yeah. Well, and what you, you, what a better person to tell us that, because, you know, I would imagine eight months in solitary confinement probably felt like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, um, what are your future plans? What, I mean, obviously you got con body, you want to take it to the next level and it's really starting to blow up now. Is that, yeah. is that where you see yourself for the next, you know, foreseeable future is doing that? Yeah, I, I mean, I want to franchise this opportunity. Uh, we have an online platform where people work out with us virtually, live streaming, and are watching our pre-recorded videos from all around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to continue growing that that part of the business. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to also franchise. You know, this is how I could uh, help affect and um, and give more opportunities to people coming out of the prison system. I love that. Uh, you know bringing bringing it to local towns cities um that's the goal oh, i love that so what is your is your family and friends just blown away of the transformation you've gone through yeah i mean my family uh they they didn't believe i was coming home to do the right thing you know they saw me you know going in and out um as a as a juvenile as a kid you know it's they seen me you know just in the spiral that yeah. they can believe I was going to come out and do the right thing, you know, cause there was, there's been times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to do something. Um, and, and I failed and, yeah. and I was frustrated at the fact that I couldn't get a job. I was being discriminated. I felt everything was stacked against me. But when I came home and I started, I kept my mind dedicated to it and it took a while, but I, I proved to them that I was doing the right thing. And, yeah. you know, now you know, they're, they're proud. Um, I'm also proud of my family too. Uh, they've been able to accomplish a lot. My, my brother became the 
city council uh, member of the district of Manhattan one, uh, which is a huge political move. Okay, uh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and he's doing a lot of uh, prison advocacy as well, too. Very cool. Well, like I said earlier, you're doing a, a lot of great things, and I'm sure your family and friends are just not only blown away, but just very happy for you. Um, how you. cool! How cool it was your sister sent you that Bible and t- to read that verse. Do you mind repeating that uh, Psalms 91 again for us? Of course. Uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my shelter and my fortress, my God and who I trust. That's uh, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2, Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. That's that's beautiful. And it's still blown away that that stamp falls out. <laughs> I mean. You never, you never know. You know God, I, I, worship, yeah. I worshiped all this money and the cheapest item that you could probably buy today, you know, changed my life. Man, that is amazing. If people want to reach out to you, Koss, and, and, and learn more about uh, Body and maybe even learn more about you, what's the best place for them to go to do that? Uh, so you can hit me up on, on Instagram, uh, like did that, Todd, uh, <laughs> at C-O-N-B-O-D-Y. Uh, you could check us out at combody.com if you want to work out with us virtually, live streaming, or if you're in the New York City area and you want to stop by um, and take a class, you could just come to Lori's side and one-to-one with those three. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I, I, I encourage all our listeners to go check you out, check out your website, check out all the good things you're doing, learn more about your story. Because again, like I said at the beginning, if you think you can't change your circumstances or better your life, think again, man, you're, you're a living example of that anyone can go through anything and, and change their life for the better. And it's just no, it's inspiring that. to me, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. If you're ever out in Utah, like we talked about, please hit me up. I, I can really help maybe even get some things going. I got some connections out here that may help you. And, uh, but anything I can do to further your Absolutely. cause, you know? Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank I you. I appreciate you. And uh, so thank you for joining the show. And everyone, thanks for tuning in. Um, Kos Marte, please check him out. He's an amazing person. And I really do admire him. And I love you guys for tuning in week after week. And and until next time, guys, thanks again, Koss. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. And I, I'm sorry for the background noise. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Hey, I'm, I'm just glad I got you, man. It's a it's yeah. a blessing I've got you today, man. You're, you're the best. Awesome. awesome.